May the Spirit of Truth speak through these words and through our questions and in our hearts. Amen. Sometimes our lives are all about questions. The reflection I shared in this week's window from Howard Thurman really struck a chord with me. Thurman's questions are the big ones. The questions we need ask ourselves always, but particularly in times of change, in seasons of uncertainty and doubt. Times when we question not only who we are in our various roles and relationships, but who and where God is in the fabric of it all. The questions invite deeper prayer, patient listening and discernment, and really do not have easy answers. They are questions in the moment and questions to struggle with before God over a lifetime. Let's hear Thurman again. What are we doing with our lives? What are the motives that order our days? What is the end of our doings? Where are we trying to go? Where do we put the emphasis? And where are our values focused? For what end do we make sacrifices? Where is my treasure? And what do I love most in life? What do I hate most in life? And to what am I true? Over and over the questions beat in upon each waiting moment. It turns out that this need to question and pray, discern and then act, were very real for the leaders of the early church. The entire book of Acts, which we read parts of during the 50 days of Easter, tells not only of what the apostles did and where they went and who they met, but it also shows us that they grappled with questions. Some of these same questions we just heard. What are we doing with our lives? What are the motives that order our days? For what and for whom do we make sacrifices? To what are we true? The interesting thing about the accounts in the Acts of the Apostles may actually be the question. In today's reading, we are at the end of the story of the baptism of Cornelius, a Roman centurion, by Peter. I invite you to go back and read all of chapter 10 in the book of Acts, and you will understand that Cornelius' story is told in great detail by Luke, the author of Acts. For Cornelius is likely the first Gentile convert. He receives visions from God to meet with Peter. And at the same time, Peter receives visions to go to Cornelius. In the midst of the story, we see Peter, that friend and follower of Jesus, wondering about food 
what is clean and unclean. So by extension, he's wondering about who is clean and unclean. Welcome or not welcome. He receives direct instructions from God's messengers and still must ponder who he is, what he will do when he arrives in Cornelius' house. I am only mortal, he says when Cornelius kneels before him. Stand up. That's good. Peter, the one, the rock upon whom Jesus said he would build the church, knows the truth. I am only mortal. In interpreting the visions, I see Peter asking the question, where do I put my emphasis? And how is it focused? And we witness his answer as he begins to talk about Jesus, about God who shows no partiality, about the risen Christ, about forgiveness of sins through Jesus. And the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word, not only on Peter and those who had accompanied him to Caesarea, but on the Gentiles too. The word of forgiveness, the word of love, covered all who were listening. So Peter asked the next logical question, Can anyone withhold the water of baptism for these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And Cornelius and all his household were baptized. I want to go back to the part in today's story before that happy ending where we are told, The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded. They were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. The insiders, right? The insiders, Peter and his friends, were shocked. The God's blessing and the Holy Spirit that they enjoyed was also for these other people. This Roman, Cornelius. So my friends, even the people who had heard Jesus' teachings firsthand, who had eaten with him, who had witnessed his resurrection, his resurrected body, even these people who had hit the road to proclaim the good news were astounded by the abundance of the Spirit astounded by the abundance of love, forgiveness, and welcome for other people. This brought me back to Thurman's question, and us. As we, who claim to be followers of Jesus and heirs of God's promises by our baptism, As we live out our lives together, why do we still find ourselves astounded by the stories of others who may not be like us? 
way is it's so difficult to acknowledge the humanity and the dignity of people whose struggles and histories are different from our own. In all the moments when we see both blessing and struggle in our lives and in the lives of others, how might we live into our own baptismal promises? How might you be refreshed by God who loves you and who loves all your neighbors too? How might we refresh our questioning? Restore our humility, be awash in a renewed spirit of love. In both the Gospel and the First John reading, we're reminded that love is the action of God, given to us, through us, as we are connected to Jesus. How does this work in your life? How do you know God loves you? What effect does that have on how you love others? Over and over, the questions beat in upon the waiting moment. Every moment. May we be eager and ready with the questions. And like Peter, be eager and ready to pour out the water of love in a spirit of love on all.